You know, we do sing songs of, of peace as we remember the, the Prince of Peace who has come to earth, an event that we celebrate every Christmas as believers in Jesus Christ our Lord. But life doesn't always seem so peaceful, does it? As we watched the news this past week, we watched as devastation unfolded in and around Gatlinburg, Tennessee, as high winds and extreme drought conditions contributed to uh, fires rapidly spreading from the surrounding forest and nearly taking over and destroying that city entirely. Vacations were quickly disrupted and Homes were destroyed, and suddenly loved ones went missing. Lives were lost. If you saw some of the footage captured by some of the escaping residents of the burning embers flailing through the air and the dancing orange flames consuming trees and buildings and the dense, dark smoke covering roads, it it's amazing that anyone got out of there alive. But as is often the case, when devastation strikes, when tragedy hits, there are untold stories of heroism that are beginning to surface. There are rescue missions in the midst of firestorms that are beginning to, to surface and beginning to be told and will be told for many years to come. Stories of firefighters and law enforcement personnel, stories of resort workers and ordinary citizens risking their lives by loving their neighbors in order to ensure the, the safety and the well-being of people. The 2004 film Ladder 49, Fire Captain Mike uh, Kennedy uh, is uh, is given a speech. He's, he is honoring the life of a friend and a fellow fire, firefighter who has lost his, his life. And he says this. He says, people are always asking me, how is it that firefighters can run into a burning building when everyone else is running out? And he goes on and he says, courage is the answer. Certainly, firefighters put their lives on the line every single day. They risk their lives for the sake and the well-being of, of others. And anyone who risks his life or her life knows that there is the possibility that he or she could lose their life through that action. I'm certainly not a firefighter. I've never been a firefighter. But I think that Captain Kennedy only got it partially right. No doubt, those who fight fires must be courageous. But I think there must be something more than courage that leads firefighters to risk their lives on behalf of others. I think it is, it is a desire within to help others. The desire that God has, has given all of us. The God who we worship, the God who made us, the God who created us in His image is a God who has compassion on the hurting. He is a God who helps the helpless. He is a God who rescues the perishing. And it's good for us to be reminded of that truth from God's Word as we enter into the Advent season once again, as we remember the saving action of God, the 
salvation plan of God that led to the Son of God coming to earth, taking on human flesh, ultimately to give His life on a cross for your sake and my sake, that we might be rescued, that we might be restored into right relationship with God. So as we are reminded of the unfathomable love of God displayed in the coming and living and dying and rising of Jesus in our place on our behalf, we're reminded of the hope and the peace, and the joy that Jesus brings. And this year, as we reflect on those things, let me invite you to return to the text of Scripture with me once again this morning. We are in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians, a New Testament letter in the grand scheme of things, fairly near the end of uh, the written and completed text of God's Word. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and this is our text for the Advent season. Last week, uh, James very ably introduced us to Philippians uh, chapter 2 and this letter that Paul wrote from prison to believers living in the city of Philippi, a Roman colony. And he, he writes to encourage them and to remind them that they are also citizens uh, of a different colony, of a heavenly colony. He wants to encourage them and to instruct them to be strengthened in the faith, to grow in in faith, and to look to the example and the model of Jesus Christ. And likewise, church, as believers in 2016, we are still called upon to look to the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's look to his example today. And as you find your place in Philippians chapter 2, let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's Word. In Philippians chapter 2, Beginning in verse 5, the scriptures read this way. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Let's pray. Father, we do ask you now by the guidance and the presence of your spirit to to aid us, to help us, to lead us in rightly understanding the truths of your word, the truths of Christmas, the truths of the incarnation, the message of the gospel. Father, grip us with it today. Instruct us, lead us, encourage us, convict us, shape us the image of your Son, our Lord. And it's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning, as we reflect on God's Word, I want us to hone in on, on verse 7. Verse 7, really our, our text for today. And from verse 7, I think we see two baffling truths about the God that we have been singing to this morning about the God that we worship today, about the God who invites us to know Him through His Word. And as we talk about God this morning, we're going to specifically be reflecting on Christ Jesus. When we talk about Christ Jesus, we are talking about Christ, the the Greek word for Messiah, noting that He is the long-awaited, was the long-awaited Messiah and Savior that was sent to the Jews, and He is Jesus, His earthly name given to him by his earthly parents under the instruction of God. But know this, as we talk about this Christ Jesus, we are talking about God himself. We are talking about God. For the God that we worship is one God who is 
comprised of three persons. He is Father, He is Son, and He is Holy Spirit. Almost impossible theological, theological truth from God's Word for us to begin to even try to comprehend. But this is what the Scriptures teach about the God that we serve, the God that we worship. He is one God who is present in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's for this reason that we read at the beginning of the Bible, the first chapter of the Bible, the creation account. God said, let us make mankind in our image. So the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, is not uh, any less than God. He is the Son of God. He's not less than God. He was not created by God. He is God. In fact, this is what the Scriptures teach in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Being in very nature God, or in some translations, in the form of God. What is being conveyed here is that He is God. He is fully God. And, and here's the point I think that Paul is making here, and that I want to reiterate this morning. It is that though Christ Jesus was and is God, He has assumed the role of a servant to us. Christ Jesus assumed the role of a servant to us. He took the role of a servant. He welcomed the role of a servant to us and ultimately for us. Now some of you here this morning no doubt are into design uh, and, and, and into fashion and uh, those of you that are into design and fashion know that uh, from time to time you uh, use different colors to contrast uh, and to bring out a certain emphasis. Uh, for example, you don't put a green wreath on your green uh, or a green bow on your green Christmas wreath. Uh, you put a red or some other brighter color uh, bow on your Christmas wreath in order to give it a little extra emphasis, right? A little more pop. Uh, now, I'm not schooled in these things, so I may... Uh, well be misspeaking, I'm just speaking based upon observance. Uh, but right here in, in Scripture, right here in God's Word, in this letter to the church at Philippi, Paul, the author, is making a very intentional contrast. So see if you can catch it here. Who, being in very nature God, verse 6, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, by taking the very nature of a servant. In other words, same phraseology. Did you catch it? Being in very nature God, or being in the form of God, took the very nature of a servant, or took the form of a servant. Same phraseology used to convey two radically and remarkably different truths, different ideas, that this one who is God, who was God, who has always been God, who is still God, took on the role of a servant. He became a servant. He didn't simply receive this role as a servant, taking the very nature of a servant. God took the initiative here. This was God's idea to become human, to become a servant, to become one who is serving us, became a servant to us. Christ Jesus didn't become a servant uh, to simply receive uh, the Good Citizens Award or the Sportsmanship Award or any other recognition by, by humans. He became a servant for our good and for the glory of God our Father. In this way, the High King of Heaven 
came like a slave with no advantages, with no great privileges. Rather, he emptied himself and took on the role of a servant for us. Church, isn't that good that that is the kind of God that we worship? The one and only God, the God who has made himself known in the scriptures is not a God who sits on high waiting, joyfully waiting to smite us when we mess up. But he is a God who is characterized by, yes, justice, but also love and mercy. A God who has come to us as a servant to us for our salvation, for our our good. Jesus' earthly ministry is speaking to his disciples. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, referring to himself as the Son of Man. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Son of God, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus came not simply to, to get to know us better, not simply to walk a mile in our shoes, so to speak, so that he could better identify with us. Not simply to show us uh, a model of a good life. Yes, all of these things to some extent, but ultimately he came to serve us so that we might be right with God, so that we might be restored into right relationship with our Heavenly Father and live forever with him. Church, this is not the normal way that things happen in the world. Is it? Strong don't normally serve the weak. Typically, it's the other way around, but not so in God's economy. In God's economy, the strong has served the weak. This is the gospel, and it is good. For God is good, and He has taken on the role of servant to us. Christ Jesus assumed the role of a servant to us, and secondly, we see here that Christ Jesus became human beside us. Christ Jesus became human beside us. Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made In human likeness, Christ Jesus became human, eternal Son of God, took on human flesh. He became a human beside us. He came alongside us, became one of us, so to speak. He was tempted like us. He experienced hurt and hardship like us. Christ Jesus experienced pain and suffering as a man. He learned to crawl and to walk. He learned to speak as a baby, as a toddler, as a child. He grew and he began to teach. He ran and he laughed and he played. He sang and he cried. He touched and he tasted. He knew what it was like to Experienced the discomfort of a hungry stomach to thirst after something to drink. This Son of God and Savior of the world, Christ Jesus, God in the flesh, ran and, and stank. He even bathed and used the facilities 
And, oh yeah, this was God's idea. This was not our idea. God took on human flesh. He became one of us. He became a human beside us. And all the while, He never ceased being God. This prime example of the Bible's intentionality of word choice here. Being made in human likeness. Didn't replace his deity with full humanity. Rather, he remained fully God and took on full humanity. Jesus was human, but not human only. Christ Jesus assumed the role of a servant to us, and Christ Jesus became human beside us. Together, these two remarkable and glorious truths teach us that Christ Jesus made himself of no reputation. For us. Church, Christ Jesus, God that we worship, the God who saves, the God who has come to us, has made himself of no reputation for us. He made himself nothing, verse 7. He emptied himself, some translations say. Or in the King James Version, he made himself of no reputation. He gave up his rights, he gave up his advantages, he gave up his privileges uh, as the Lord of all and King of heaven and earth for our sake. He gave them up for us. Church, this is the message of the gospel. This is a truth that is all over the pages of the New Testament. Stated this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse, verse 9. That though he was rich, For though he was rich, yet for your sake and for my sake he became poor, so that you and I, through his poverty, might become rich. Church, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, ruling on high in heaven, yet for your sake and my sake he became poor. He became a servant. He became one of us. He became a creature, ultimately, so that we could have riches in him. So that we can know the joy and the peace and the hope of salvation. Friends, we were in a firestorm of sin. Overcome by flames of guilt and lust and rebellion and disobedience. Headed for ultimate devastation and destruction. When the Savior came on a rescue mission completely motivated by pure and unconditional love for us, and He rescued us from the pit of hell and brought us into His life-giving, angel-filled, never-decaying, always-peaceful, eternal kingdom. Church, this is the gospel, and it is good. This is the character of the God that we serve. This is the character of the God that we worship. So as we celebrate this Christmas season with hot apple cider... And with the taste of eggnog and with the hustle and bustle of holiday shopping. And with a marathon of Christmas gatherings and parties. Let's let's be sure as followers of this Jesus to slow down and to savor the Savior who has come to us. Friends, savor the Savior who has come to us. Give yourself to enjoy Him. 
live your life to enjoy Him, to know Him, to trust in Him, to serve Him, for He is the one who brings us peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the giver of of life. He is the restorer of life. He is the one who extends a peace to us that can never be destroyed. It can never be taken away. He is the one who extends a peace to you and to me that overcomes illness. A peace that is not destroyed by family brokenness and by divorce. He is a God who extends a peace to us that is not destroyed by the absence of a loved one or by job loss or by a rebellious child or by financial devastation, or even by death itself. He is the giver of life and the giver of peace, a lasting peace that will never fade away. Do you know the Prince of Peace? Have you trusted in this Jesus for salvation? Are you living your life for Him? Are you savoring the Savior who has come to us? If not, begin to savor Him now. Repent of your sin right where you are. Trust in Jesus for salvation. Live your life for Him. Give your life to Him. Savor the Savior who has come to us. And in light of Him coming to serve us, in light of this God coming to serve you, serve your neighbor. Friends, let's serve our neighbors this Christmas. For in the incarnation, God coming to us, taking on human flesh and In the crucifixion, Him laying down His life on the cross for us, we began to see the the heart of God. In the story of Christmas, in the story of Easter, we see the nature of of God. The heart of a servant that God has for for our good, for our benefit, for our enjoyment of everlasting life. And we are instructed in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Friends, truly, He taught us to love one another. His law is love and His gospel is peace. Chains shall He break, for the slave is our brother, and in His name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let's, let all within us praise His holy name. So friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we've been instructed by the writer of the great hymn, O Holy Night, let's praise the holy name of God. Let's praise His name by savoring the Savior who has come to us, by serving our neighbor with Christ-like love, and by spreading the message of the gospel of peace to the people of the world. You see, Paul is writing, as he's weaving through this letter to First century believers in Philippi, he's writing with, with intentionality and with purpose. In fact, he calls uh, believers in this same chapter, chapter 2, verse 15, he calls upon believers to shine like the stars in the sky for the sake of the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So friends, let's shine the light of the gospel of peace. Let's shine the light of the gospel of Peace, the message of salvation by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. For the gospel is a message to be received and believed, and it's a message to be shared and dispersed. So in Advent 2016, may there be scores of people 
young and old, men and women, boys and girls, known as Meadowbrook Baptist Church, who are characterized by gospel-driven living and gospel-driven giving and gospel-driven speaking and gospel-driven going for the glory of our great God. And church, as we began to think about what that might look like for us, let me invite you to direct your attention to the screens for a short video. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. For giving. For giving. Thank you for your giving. To the Lottie Moon offering. Toward Lottie Moon. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. But most importantly, due to your generosity, we've been able to share God's word with those around us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you Riverside, California. Because you gave, I'm able to access remote areas of Central Asia and explain the gospel with people God is already drawing to himself. With your help, we are bringing light to the dark places among unreached people groups. Because of what you've given, it allows me to share this gospel with as many Central Asians as I can across London. Your giving allows our organization to provide need for refugees and to give them hope. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering so that we can buy Bibles in Arabic that we use with our Discovery Bible study with non-believers. Because of your generosity, African women are hearing stories from God's word while henna is being drawn on their hands and arms. And because of your giving, the life changes that we see through faith in Jesus Christ, that happens because of your gifts. Thank you for giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and helping to provide this wonderful water filter here in Northern Thailand. Your giving allows me to continue with my medical license here in Ghana, where I can not only do surgeries, but also the patients have the opportunity to hear the gospel. So thank you. Because of your giving, I'm able to speak to these thousand kids every Wednesday morning. Thank you. Thank you, First thank Baptist, you Baptist Church. Thank you, Faith Promise Church. Thank you, Baptist Church. Thank you and God bless you. Church Christ Jesus made himself of no reputation for us. And we have the opportunity and the privilege to partner with some 46,000 other Southern Baptist churches in participating in something far, far bigger than ourselves. Something far more vast than we could ever do alone. And that is providing support and resources and financial backing for Southern Baptist missionaries through the International Mission Board all over the world and some of the places where there are the fewest number of believers. And yet through your faithfulness and your generosity and your sacrificial giving to the church and specifically to this offering, you are participating in the message of the gospel going to the nations of the world and lives are being transformed around the name and the reputation of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So thank you for your generosity to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Lottie Moon was born in the 1800s. She became a believer in Jesus during college. She attended college in the state of Virginia. She taught school in Virginia and Georgia and Kentucky before leaving in 1873 to go to China and to serve the Lord for 39 years 
as a faithful missionary. And while in China, she taught school and she shared this message, the message of the gospel of peace to women and to girls and saw lives changed around the truth of the gospel and saw tremendous need for resources, for people to give and people to go for the sake of of the gospel being known throughout the world. She became well known for her letters that she sent from China back home to the States, calling upon believers here in the States to support missions around uh, the world. So I want to want to read you some piercing words from one of her letters back home as she speaks directly into the time of year that we're in now, the Christmas season. Lottie wrote this. She said, It's not the festive season when families and friends exchange gifts in memory of the gift laid on the altar of the world for the redemption of the human race, the most appropriate time to consecrate a portion from abounding riches in scant poverty to send forth the good tidings of great joy into all the earth. Friends, if you know Jesus, if you have responded by repenting of sin and trusting in Jesus for salvation, then you have received the good tidings of great joy through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, let's be part of it, of sending and extending that message through our spheres of influence locally, nationally, internationally, around the world. And one way that we can do that by prayerfully supporting and praying for our missionaries who are serving Christ on the front lines around the world. Let's be faithful to that end for the good of the nations and for the glory of our great God. Church, this morning as we draw to a close, we have opportunity to respond in a couple specific ways uh, for us to the truths of God's word and certainly to uh, the the message of the gospel and to this um, endeavor that we participate in alongside other Southern Baptists and other evangelical believers around our nation and throughout the world. In fact, today kicks off a week of prayer for international uh, missions and international missionaries. And so you uh, may have seen this on the round table when you came in. You may have picked one up or you may uh, not have noticed, you may have glanced at it and wonder what is that. Well, certainly let me encourage you to take one of these today as you go. There's a daily prayer guide over the next seven days as you pray for specific uh, IMB missionaries and where they serve and, and how they serve some of their needs. And also, during this time, as, as David comes and leads us in our hymn of response, I want to encourage anyone who uh, is willing and, and led by the Lord to do so, to, to come down front and perhaps to stand or kneel along the steps here and to pray specifically for uh, Southern Baptists. Uh, and evangelical missions around the world to lift up our missionaries and to express a desire to support them and to affirm them and to come alongside them uh, in imitating a Christ-like lifestyle of giving and going for the glory of God. In addition to that, we're going to have a couple offering plates down here. I know we've already taken the offering this morning, but uh, a time to give, uh, once again, specifically to this uh, cause, to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. So certainly, if you are led to do so, if you're not led to do so, don't do so. But if you are led by the Lord to do so and comfortable doing so, I want to invite you in just a moment as we stand and sing to come and to pray for these, uh, to, to give toward these offerings. I know this is not something that we emphasize very often uh, in, this, in this fashion. Certainly, always an invitation to come and to, to bow before the Lord as an expression of sacrifice and commitment uh, during this time. 
This is certainly not a time to draw attention to ourselves or to people. So don't judge your neighbor uh, or, or, or don't be embarrassed by your neighbor if they come forward or, or don't. They may well have already given today to this offering or, or may plan to do so later. But church, as, as a body, as individuals and collectively, let's show our support. As our missionaries have gone, let's go. Let's serve for the glory of our great God. And perhaps you're not giving uh, sacrificially for the spread of the gospel. Perhaps you're not participating in spreading the gospel because you've never responded to the gospel. Know that this is an appropriate time to do that as well. We'd love to talk with you about that. I'll be down front here as well and would love to uh, come alongside you and, and share with you about uh, that decision. But church, let's respond uh, to the grace of God by giving, by going, by praying, by serving for His name, for His reputation. Let's bow in prayer and then we'll begin to respond. Father, we do thank you for loving us first. We thank you for knowing us, for serving us, for taking the very nature of a servant for us. Father, we desire to give you praise. We desire to serve you, to live our lives in obedience to you. So lead us now as we respond in a way that glorifies your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.